The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Gorgeous thought, and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here. How are you all doing? Well, happy Halloween. We have come to the end of spooky season, but my goodness, do we have um, two amazing episodes for you today. Uh, the first is with the brilliant Philippa Tomlin. Um, Philippa is an artist, um, theatre maker just incredible human being and I know that you are all going to love today's episode. We talk about being a freelancer after having had a position in an organisation for a while. We talk about the importance and the vital, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The vitalness, is that a word? I'm saying it's a word now, um, of community work and community theatre and community arts and what that does for the community and also what it does for the people who are um, leading that work and are facilitating that work. A beautiful conversation. Um, we obviously talk things all all things horror and uh, spooky. And also hold on to the very end of the episode because there's a little surprise for you. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can follow both Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Remember to like, download, subscribe, review the episodes, share them. It really makes such a huge difference and it lets all of our amazing guests be heard by as many people as possible. And if you can, chuck us the price of a cup of tea or coffee um, to keep PNN going and all the advocacy work that we do and know that all of that work is still happening in the background even if we're not shouting about it it is going on trust and believe for today's episode I suggest ooh maybe a glass of Prosecco feels very apt something bubbly and fun and maybe a cocktail uh, a flavoured hot chocolate because I did mention spice and spiced pumpkin lattes the other day so you know maybe you could have like a I don't know somewhere used to do a black forest hot chocolate and it was amazing and I can't remember the chain or even if it was a local shop one of you can let me know uh coffee or you know you can always just have a good old cup of tea sit back relax and enjoy I do really hate the recording in progress thing yeah no I don't like the voice either you know it's It's very serious yeah and very like, oh, we do actually live in like a world where that is happening. Feels very yeah. 1984 to me. It does. 
Um, anyway, Philippa Tomlin, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Hello, it's very nice to be here. It is very lovely to have you. Um, for our listeners, give us a little potted history of you, how you came to be in this industry of ours, all of that jazz. <laughs> so I have been, I've been a, um, a participatory theatre maker for about 20 odd years now. Um, I started out leading youth theatres and after school clubs and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, um, what did I do? Then I went freelance out of uni and ran around the place while I could, um, doing all sorts of different things. Um, and then I finally kind of settled into the industry with a big capital <laughs> title um, when I got a job for the Lyceum Theatre in Edinburgh. Um, and so I was the I was part of the education team as it was then. Um, so leading youth theatre stuff during the, the holidays and then heading up the schools programme. Um, and then from there, I moved across to the National Theatre of Scotland, um, who I was with for um, nearly 11 years. Um, and then last year, I big <laughs> smile on my face. Um, I got made redundant. Um, so I went freelance and it was terrifying. Um, but I'm now ecstatically happy <laughs> and really enjoying myself um, as a theatre maker, as a visual artist, as a participatory artist, creative learning person, um, lots of different things going on, but it's I mean, fun. I love it all because it's that thing I think um, sometimes in the arts and especially like there's that kind of older what's the word I'm looking for brain is not quite working that kind of older attitude of you you should have one job and that should be the thing in the arts that you stick to and there there isn't any way for us to move and flow between all the different parts of it but actually it's also interconnected that it's so important to be able to do it all I think it is it is definitely and I think the thing is is I I mean I've always made kind of hybrid projects anyway because I think people learn so differently and so with a lot of my focus being on the learning um it's you know you might learn about a play by drawing a picture <laughs> as simple as that and so therefore you're kind of using all your creative kind of energies to to look at different things yeah. um and has the learning part of it always been something that you knew you were going to end up doing? Not not always. That was definitely a um a university thing. I I kind I suppose I kind of freaked out halfway through uni. I did I was doing I, I did I don't know if the course exists anymore, but it was the drama and theatre arts course. So the sort of um, at Queen Margaret's and it was that sort of sandwichy course where it's directing, writing, producing, yeah. literary management. Um, and I, I felt like I wanted to do directing, but I was 22, 23 and really felt like I, I wasn't wise enough. <laughs> to be a director like what do I know and there's some fantastic younger directors out there but I wasn't I wasn't one of them and um and so I sort of started to panic about what I was going to do and um started looking at community theatre 
And suddenly it's like it switched on a whole load of stuff for me looking at learning at learning outside of formal environments about how theater film the arts what we're doing is taking people through stories as a learning experience in the first place before a, before a kind of um a teacher gets involved we that's why we tell stories to learn about each other um and um and also the political side of things as well and I was like oh okay I can get into this um and went from there so in actual fact like other than the Lyceum I very rarely worked in schools and formal settings but um yeah which I I wasn't very good at school so (laughs) that that suits me it's really interesting that thing isn't it like going into schools like I I do a lot of facilitation of workshops and stuff like that and I've done lots of projects with um, Cali Uni actually going into primary schools and doing different things but they've all involved art the projects that I've done um, which art and drama and just how that sense of our part of our craft can be used for a learning thing and I think that people don't always make the correlation they don't like put them together and go oh actually for so many people that's how they learn visually yeah totally absolutely um so obviously you then were at the Lyceum and did all of that and what was kind of some of your standout moments like uh so (laughs) I would say one one big standout moment that will always put a smile on my face is um uh I led the the minis uh, eight to ten and watch me insult the industry now because eight to ten year olds I swear are the closest you will ever get to working with professional actors because they are they are not reserved they're perfectly happy running around and making fool of themselves but they're also incredibly switched on and creative um and um and kind of know what they're doing and so we did this thing (laughs) we did the big ones, the seniors were doing um, a Midsummer Night's Dream. So I created this play noir where um, Bottom's head had been stolen, um, and they had to they had to find it. And they so they were it, all the cliches. We had um, you know was it Venetian blinds, the ones the blinds that make the light across the stage. Um, we had. Um, giant uh, magnifying glasses with a big eye painted on and lots of kind of movement pieces of them searching for things um and they did a at the very end they did a comedy chase scene now my my skill as as a director very much ends um at um movement and dance I I that's not my skill base and um I'm prepared to say that um and but this I felt that this chase scene needed to be choreographed um so I was trying my best to do it and got myself in a right old muddle trying to number everyone and this little girl came up to me right in the middle of the room and she basically tugged my clothes and went Phil I think we've got it and I was like okay (laughs) I went and sat down, put the comedy chase music on, and they just did it in front of me. And it was brilliant. It was the most fun. I think what you've just said about that age group is so correct. 
And I think anybody who's ever worked with that age group will agree with you because they are in that beautiful moment where they're switched on, but the world hasn't got them to be paranoid about themselves or like be worried about what anybody's thinking. They're just still absolutely using their imaginations and well, and they still believe in all of it, which is like the wonderful part of it when you see, and they are always absolutely in the moment. Yeah. Yes, they are. Totally. And that, the playing and being absolutely immersed in, in the story in the play um, is brilliant. And that's what you want your actors to be. (laughs) I mean, I actually think that a lot of professional actors could do themselves a lot of favours and go and watch a class like that. Because when you say to those kids to be in it, they will be absolutely in it. And they're totally, they tell you the story and they don't come out of it. It's just, yeah. I'm with you on that. I love that. It's one of my favourites. And then, so moving away from Lyceum, and as you said, you went to National Theatre of Scotland, and 11 years is a huge like time, really, when you are in this industry to be in kind of any in institution, quote-unquote, in that sense and yeah. environment. And um, were you there at the start of uh, NTS when it first started? Not the very start. Um, when did I get there? Three, four years maybe in. We uh, NTS was still at Civic House. Um, so they'd moved. So the Learn team that I joined had moved from Platform to Civic House. Everyone was all in that building um, and the glue factory. Um, so I was in there. Um, and I would say the beginning, the beginning of my work at NTS was brilliant fun. I, I met so many people, travelled across Scotland, had all of these amazing opportunities um, to work with communities and really like we did kind of, we did long-term projects. They could, they weren't like, it was a bit sticky for me sometimes because we had to be dead honest. We couldn't provide legacy. We had to help the communities find their own legacy. And that was part of what we were doing, but we were able to be, embedded in communities for six to nine months which compared to a lot of different community projects is actually a pure joy um so you really get to know people and know the areas um and totally fell in love with some of the places that I visited um yeah it was it was great yeah there is a real there's a real thing about that isn't there about community work and kind of going in the amount of time that you've got depending on the project so that kind of six to nine months is a lovely amount of time um And I guess, like, I've got a question in that sense, especially for people who maybe aren't as aware with community theatre and what it is that you create. Um, But for you, what do you think the core differences are um, and the the bonuses of community work? So, I mean, for me, it is... um, So if I start using the word participatory, that's the bit for me that's the most important. It's about being part of it it's about learning experiences it's about validation of experience and of of self and being part of a thing um and um and it's about celebrating um your community and working together um and i think that that i would say 
because I think sometimes I, like I, my work is kind of it could be compared to amateur dramatics I think it's a very very different thing to amdram that has its own space and place and it's wonderful but that's not what I do um and it could be compared to um, <laughs> another sticky one bringing on a community cast which which I'm not such a fan of. I know, I know it works, and I know the people involved to have a wonderful time. But I, but I'm not convinced about the philosophy around all of that. What I love the most is when people are working together and learning together and sharing stories, sharing time together, and then working with amazing artists to shape and tell their stories be it real life stories or be it um, works of fiction um yeah so I would say participation that's the that's my my kind of the big word (laughs) I would use yeah do you think that it brings in people um and it really actually does bring in people to the theatre and who would go and see shows who wouldn't normally do that yeah I've seen it I've seen it been part of it um so for for example I did a big project up in Dundee uh, which is probably one of my favorites and um I discovered two things one is um people up in Dundee are very curious um and they will pretty much say yes to everything um like the craziest ideas they'll be like yeah we'll give that a go (laughs) um unless you uh, until it goes too far and if they think it's if they think they're going to make a fool of themselves then it's boom shut us down and no thank you that's that's me done um and so I would say (laughs) I was doing a horror thing um up in Dundee and so I was sort of talking about ghost stories and spooky streets and all this kind of stuff and I had to present the idea to a women's Um, choir that they could be a spooky choir that the audience would discover in the car park (laughs) Um, and my first few sessions they were I mean they were they were quite sort of well-to-do ladies and they were sort of like you know what's what's she asking me to do and what is this and and they weren't singing songs they were making not choreographed making um sort of composed noises together to be spooky and weird by the end of it, they came up with the idea of being in their Victorian nineties and um, and being zombies and running around the the car park, and they totally got bought into the whole theatre of it. Whereas their traditional kind of performance space would have been everybody in matching t shirts standing in a line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you know there were individuals in there that um, that wouldn't even perform you know, would never have even thought of performing at all, um, who just wanted to see what was going on and and get involved. So, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. And I love that it's um, that it was horror. Beautiful segue for us in our spooky season. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been really interesting for me, like chatting to everybody over the last kind of couple of weeks and talking about horror and that kind of sense of what horror actually means to everybody I've spoken to and what that genre entails and how it's different in obviously film and to theatre and then to radio play and audio books and then art. And I just like 
for you? What is it for you? What does horror mean for you? Oh God, it is so varied. Um, I think if I, if I really try and distill horror, um, I think it is one, I think it is that scene in The Shining when, now let me get this right, I I have not seen it in a while, but he he opens the door and there's a beautiful woman in the shower. And then when he, have you not seen it? So you can keep going and the reality (laughs) is I have, I am like, People that listen know I'm a big scaredy cat because we talk about this all the time. I've seen bits of The Shining and I tried to watch it when I was about 14 and freaked myself the fuck out. (laughs) So I have never gone back to it. I just know all the famous clips. So you could be telling me that this is the clip and I am with you on it. Well, this might might spoil a a bit for you. you Honestly, I'm not going to watch it and I'll put a spoiler out for everybody (laughs) else that hasn't seen it. So... (laughs) Anyway, she turns out to be, I mean, she's, as with the rest of them, ghosts, but she's, she's, dis, she's hideously disfigured and zombified and, and he's absolutely repulsed by it. And I think there is, there is a moment if you watch that scene where it's just a, it's an absolute bing, that is horror. It's, it's about realizing your own, um, your own what's the word you know that we it, we're we're all gonna turn into rotting flesh eventually <laughs> eventually we'll all be that zombie <laughs> yeah it's that kind it's that horrendous realization that we are we're 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 blood and guts and and yeah. organs and we you know we 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 think we're up here all the time um in our heads and and eyes and ears and we're not we're everything else as well (laughs) and I think that that is that's a real kind of pinpoint for me of of horror is um yeah it's that realization that's really fascinating because I had never really thought about that about the fact that like you know you see all that and then it actually makes us go well actually that is how we'll all end up (laughs) (laughs) My Halloween stuff is like, give me all the witches in the Adams family. So, you know. <laughs> well, do you know, this This popped into my head the other day. I did, um, I took some of my drawings and um, and prints to the Gothic market in Glasgow. And um, as, a, as a special, because it was a Halloween weekender, as a special, I, I thought I'd paint some little mini paintings, um, uh, Halloween themed. And I realised as I was, as I was painting them, that actually all of my Halloween paintings were so much cuter. They were all like a moon with the shadow of a witch over it and a pumpkin head and a, um, uh, like little romantic skeletons. (laughs) Whereas everything else was like, like skeletons and sci-fi and gore. love that that you've gone in the Halloween thing but yeah and that's the other thing as well sci-fi kind of gets forgotten about actually I think a little bit in that kind of genre of it all and because people are never quite sure with sci-fi I think where to put it right because there's so many well there's so many options with sci-fi just to jump back to what you were talking about in Dundee and it's just something that I wonder if you can kind of comment a few people have said this as well like 
there's a definite, or there certainly seems to be a definite um, a freedom when we are in the horror genre that isn't always there in others. Do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And it leaks into like I mean, like with sci-fi, like with fantasy, and using all of these terms with kind of not the big capital letters. You know, like it's just. It, the, what we played with in Dundee wasn't wasn't the big flesh horrors. It was the something you caught out the corner of your eye, or um, a chill, or you have to in Dundee. Just for anyone who doesn't know, there's a um, there's a big graveyard in the middle called the House, um, and it's lovely. And during the day and in the spring, it's so nice. You can walk through it. It feels like a little oasis of calm. Um, but sometimes you might want to just nip through it at four or five in the afternoon in the winter when it's already dark <laughs> and you just you can't help yourself you have a you know slightly raised heart beat maybe you walk a little bit faster maybe you hum a tune <laughs> it's that it's that kind of thing that we were doing um and yeah so it kind of it freed up people's um People storytelling and not having to worry about truth exactly and playing with character and and mixing mixing things up. It was quite some time ago, so I can't remember all the details. I do know there were people who were being slowly turned into pigs in the city. That was one of the stories. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, loving it. Oh, absolute horror. Um, horror season, which is always which is exactly what we're looking for. Um, I think there's also something like, just with all the different things that you've done, um, Felon, what it is that, what it, what does it give you the most joy, I think, to do? Because like obviously you, you are an artist and you've got so many strings to your bow, um, uh, you know, that, that lovely phrase, but like how important that is and what it is that when you're creating a project, what do you find that in that? Mm-hmm. Um, when I started drawing and painting again, so I picked I picked that up again a bit later um, in life. Um, I had uh, I had a big breakup, and I was sat and I was I had nothing else to do. Didn't have a telly in my new flat, and um, so I started drawing. Um, I decided that was just for me. And that was something that I was going to keep for myself. And sure, I might eventually put some up or sell some or whatever, but I hadn't really thought about it. But I think being a participatory artist, it just started leaking into that world. Um, And so I think that that means that I'm still kind of trying to work it out right now, having been freelance for a year. I think that means that ultimately it is the participation and it is the working with other people that I enjoy the most um, and I get the most from. Um, don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore being locked in my attic, um, throwing paint at canvases and or being out on, I do I spray paint now as well, I spray paint big murals and stuff and um, and I love that too. But the ones that I've enjoyed the most have been with other people. Um, so I think it's that. We did um, we did an amazing thing uh, 
<laughs> if I can waffle on. <laughs> I just realised that I was just carrying on talking. Oh, no, just... <laughs> please, please, please keep talking. That's exactly what, that's what you want in a podcast. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> but yeah, we did, um, there was a, the Cycle Arts Festival that happened in Renfrewshire. And I think it's its second or third year this year. And um, and I applied to spray paint um, an underpass in Kilbarkin. And um, and I'd organised it, and part of my application was some community engagement, and we would work with creative writers and storytellers to go on little walks and um, uh, and talk about nature. This is very non-horror themed, by the way. This one talk about That's nature, cool. talk about the birds, um, and um, and I was like, that'll be our community engagement. We'll record those, and people set them to music, and people can listen to them as they visit the mural and and walk on the cycle path. But I put a call out for anyone who fancies trying spray painting to come and join me um, because I knew that I could do this because my plan was for it to be stenciled. And I was like, well, I can teach people can control to some extent and um, make choices about colours and um, uh, and they can just go around and stencil these um, pigeons, it was, all the way up on the underpass. And we had the most magic day. I think there was five women local to the community, all, I would say, I mean, ages from 30s, 30s to 50s, um, all spray painting the walls of the underpass. And it was it was pure joy. And I think it was that, you know, it was empowerment. It was fun. It was slightly naughty, even though they knew I'd got permission, um, which I really had. It was like pulling teeth, but I did get permission. Um, it still felt, you know, slightly, we're doing this this naughty thing by, <laughs> by painting the underpass. I wonder if um, it was spray paint. You know, that like, that thing that we've got, I think maybe depending on your age, I guess, as well, and like when you grew up and where you grew up, that idea of like something being spray painted on a wall was like, oh, wow, somebody's been out and done that during the night. Like it was always a bit like, ooh, feels. <laughs> 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 definitely, definitely. And I think as well, um, I think as well it was because we were all women, there was something you know, I've, I've been, I have brilliant conversations with some of the guys that do the big murals and spray paints. And, um, and I was like a piece that I'd done, I'd love to put it on a wall. <clears throat> and this guy said, Oh, well, just go out and do it. And I was like, I'm a, I'm a 41 year old mum. <laughs> like suddenly I wasn't this cool spray paint artist anymore. I was suddenly this 41 year old mum. And I was like, I can't just run around spray painting and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, and reality set in, which is, I, do, I wouldn't feel safe I, at all. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think, there was, I think there was part of that as well, all of these, yeah. all of these ladies spray-painting pigeons. Yeah, I think that is, that's a really great point, because actually, as you said that there about him saying to you to just go out and do it, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool, and then I went, yeah, but when would you do it? You'd pro in my head, my whole thought process as you were talking there was like, but you'd probably do it at night. And then I was like, oh, but you would have been on your own. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just that thing of a guy who they just don't have to think about that. 
No, they don't. They don't at all. And well, some. I mean, not. I'm sure there are men out there that do, and you know. But on the whole, for us, that's a thing that always is like, oh, but will I be on my own? And you know, and I also think they find it for some of the these particular guys they find it very easy to bring their bodies together and they'll go and they will take up space and they will have a bit of a party about it as well um and again maybe that's my age maybe it's because I'm a woman I'm not sure but I was like oh no (laughs) I don't think so no I know it's really I know that was literally what I thought as well about oh did I was literally like did Phil do the closest I've got to doing that is um <clears throat> there's a, a, a legal spray painting um opportunity um it, which is Renfrew skate park um and so I tootled out in my van um while all the kids were at school because I didn't want them sort of like asking me loads of questions and did a did a bit of spray and then ran away. <laughs> but again, again, participatory. I well, educational. I did this thing. It's a skull of a of an owl. So it's these lovely big round eyes and a and a beak. Um, and I looked at it and I stepped back and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I'm proud of that. They're not going to know what it is. So I wrote owl. <laughs> I love that. I love spray painting and the educational part. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. How are you finding being a freelancer? Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. I uh, I was incredibly lucky um, because just as I became freelance, the Culture Collective um, projects were happening. <clears throat> And um, Culture Collective um, is uh, participatory arts projects across the whole of Scotland, um, funded by Creative Scotland as healing from COVID. So, so these projects happened and I was lucky enough to get the lead artist job um, for the north of Glasgow. So I was um, in Springburn. Um, leading a, an amazing team of artists and going into community centres and churches and um, and so on um, as soon as I was freelance. And I, and I think that was, it was really, it, I mean, it was life-affirming, really, because you I come out of lockdown, been made redundant, kind of, you know, you go through all the things of thinking, well, that's it you know rejected yeah that's a total roller coaster of like absolute emotion what's happening where do I go yeah yeah and then the world wasn't ready or I wasn't ready (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) yeah no Um, I think that's really fair I think none of us really were in some ways like we said we were ready we're like yeah 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 and then you're kind of like oh actually and that's it. And and so it was really interesting because I think I thought we could do something massive um, for the Culture Collective project. And I mean, we did. We did a big thing at the end. We had everybody come to Springburn Park and have a picnic and share in various arts activities. And it was wonderful. But the autumn last year was 
holding hands and having cups of tea and really kind of just being in real life together again. And, you know, there, there was a lady I remember who didn't even take her coat off for at least four months. <laughs> um, it was the, a security blanket. Um, so, yeah, but it was it was a brilliant experience. And, and as I say, incredibly lucky. Um, and then meanwhile, I got to um, develop my artwork, my visual artwork um, yeah. further and connect with amazing um, networks of visual artists and locally and in um, Glasgow. Yeah, I mean, your art's amazing. Um, <laughs> no, it really is. Like, there's so many that I'm looking at and obviously I'm going to share everything in today's um, episode notes for everyone to check out all your stuff. But like you know, you say yourself, it's kind of more of the horror sci-fi element to it as well. Yeah. Like you've got that. And I guess like, what is it about that that draws you as an artist? Um, kind of work? Have you always been like a horror fan? Yeah, I've always been a horror fan. <clears throat> I've always been a bit of a goth um, growing up. Um, and then I sort of joked about it. Um, and then actually thinking back, you're like, no, you, you were. It's just I think things looked a bit different in the 90s than, than we perhaps imagine, <laughs> imagine it did. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, and yeah, never, I, I hate this expression, but never grew out of it. I've always been into um, uh, horror. And, um, and I think that when it comes to... When it comes to the paintings, there's a there's a few things going on, um, but some of it is still come, comes right back to storytelling, and I think it comes back to being a theatre maker and a storyteller. I'm not a writer. Um, I love working with writers, but I think very visually, and so I think that it's part of that is putting it onto a canvas and um, and using paints to tell a story instead of people. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant yeah. way of saying that though like I think that sometimes and I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong this is my own stuff but I think when you're maybe from more of a kind of working class background or you know you went to like just a regular normal state school um that idea of art feels very upper class and that you don't really know what it means or what it's talking about. But actually, what you've just said there is you're just telling a story but without people makes so much sense to me that it's like, oh, yeah, of course you are. Yeah, totally. And it's that thing about, like, reading and understanding art. Like, when it goes a bit abstract, I mean, I'm not... My art is very much, like, what it is is what it is. <laughs> it's really accessible in that way. It couldn't be anything else. I don't think I don't think I've done any kind of abstracty ones, um, but um, but having conversations like I remember walking with my my friend in um, in Kelvin Grove and we had our kids with us and there's this big painting up I don't know if it's there all the time but it's pretty much a beach it's it's the sea and a shore and I I could hear a sort of slight panic in her voice and she goes um, as her kid was looking at it and and she goes. Well, I, I don't really understand these things, Phil. You, you're an artist, uh, and and I was like, um, okay. And so I was like, so I took over, and I was like, right, kids, what color do you see? <laughs> like really, 
it's about the simplest things. It's not about talking this mad heightened language. It's like, do you, what do you see? What do you feel? <laughs> and that's it. You can't be wrong. I love that. Just like you can't be wrong. And just like that kind of reminder to all of us, I think with art in any form, whether it's a performance or a song or um, a piece of like painting, sketch, whatever, uh, pottery, whatever it is, what you see in it can't be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I love like what you're doing just now on your Instagram is like every day you're sharing, is it just for this month? Yeah, well, it is just, there is a special thing for this month, um, which is to draw something every single day. Um, So I... (laughs) I'm part of, um, I'm a Kreptober artist, which um, means that I basically follow this um, group of artists who um, who draw something. We have a prompt every single day, well, every single month, and then in October, every single day. Very much inspired by the Inktober stuff that happened um, a few years ago. And I think there's so many daily prompts now in, in October, but that's the one that I do. Um, and yeah, so you get a word and you have to draw. <laughs> and um it's mine. just what comes to mind. Yeah, there's a few that have like really just cat caught me, but like in particular, like shock, which was on day 20 for everybody. And it's um your story about Tippy Hedron and like um Hitchcock. And I just think like I'd love you to share that with the listeners because again, Hitchcock is definitely of the season. Although can we point out he stole most of his camera angles from his wife, but that's all right. We'll move on. Yeah. No, I mean amazing Hitchcock, I don't think you can deny that his films are amazing and they and they are yeah, masterpieces of horror, storytelling. Yeah, I mean, he's a massive misogynist. Yeah, you can't. You're like, let's (laughs) let's deal with these things as separate issues. (laughs) (laughs) Only with with Tippy, with poor Tippy, he did something that believe it. Like I, I still people still do this, or I'm I'm aware of other stories where this happens, but he deliberately didn't tell her what she would experience in the final attack scene. So she knew there was going to be this scene coming up, but he didn't tell her what was going to happen. So that when she opened the door, so the story goes, um, she is faced with all of these birds. um, And so that the the shock on her face, the look on her face is is real. Um, Tippi Hedren was an amazing actress. She could have acted as shocked as you like. <laughs> Different levels of shock, real shock, cartoon shock. I'm fairly certain you could have said to her, give me shock, and she would have given you shock. There was absolutely no need for her to be traumatised in the way that um, that he did. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I drew that image as a, as a bit of a tribute to her. And the film, because it's, I mean, it's, it is a good film. I, I enjoy it-ish, but it, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's all those things now, when you start learning about the people who make these things, you it does, it does taint them. Yeah, totally. It do, yeah, it definitely does. Like for me, I have a whole thing with the birds. So again, 
I I've been an old movie fan since a, a very young age, and I watched The Birds when I was ten. Too young, too young for the our generation. Probably this generation or like whatever. It's like so lame, right? <laughs> but I uh, it, it terrified me, like just that thought. And I already have a bit of a thing about birds. I love them, but not in a group. And when they fly low, I'm like, mm. um, so that's probably left some scars on, <laughs> on me. Um, and I do wonder but if when I saw it, that's why, because it's that film. But it's so beautiful. Like, I'm, it's so beautiful. And I'm going to, if you're all right with it, like put it in the show notes so everybody can see it. Because oh, it's you. just... Um, also, you absolutely have caught her eyes. Like, I absolutely know it's Tippy Hedren's eyes. Like, I was, like, straight away. It was, like, absolutely. But I love all the shades. And also, there's this, like, when I look at it, I get this idea of wood and trees. Like, and I don't know if that's, like, the trees that the birds are sitting on. I just, it's just, it's beautiful. Everybody was... needs to look at it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank so, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's yeah. Give yourself a little hair flick right there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I do. I I really enjoyed doing that one. I I started drawing. I st- I c- couldn't think of some when I saw the words, and so I started thinking about films, um, and drawing film kind of stills. Um, but then when it came to shock, and I got the story in my head, um, I didn't want to do just a straight um, uh, film kind of copy a film. Uh, still so I sort of I had a look at a few different um ones and kind of put them together do you know I'd love to spray paint that one I have to say I think that one would work really well I think that would be an amazing <laughs> amazing, so good. amazing no so you've done a one that's kind of got ode to Medusa for me as well like your Gorgon one I'm like, <laughs> like I really love like um I feel like Medusa needs reclaimed and her story needs retold because she you know, does it's really sad her story yeah, really um funny. I can't remember all the details now but she's totally hard done by it's like yeah come on yeah what? it's really yeah um and I do just I love like how you allow like that kind of darkness but make it really beautiful like that really fascinates me and like I think there's something in horror that's society doesn't really like us to think about it in any way shape or form is beautiful but you know people have moments of horror in their life but it can actually be the transformation yeah yeah definitely and I think that's it from the simplest thing of um I really enjoy studying skulls and skeletons not just human but of, of different animals and and I really do think they're beautiful and and how they're sort of held together and um um especially um uh the the jaw and there's so many there's so many animals when you see just their skull they have like a secret smile they have like a sort of or they look cheeky or they look angry and and that, I I love that that sort of yeah that does fascinate me I love that I love that kind of secret smile idea as well and again it's you know that thing of horror we can use it and we can change it into anything and create so many different stories and as an artist whatever that art is whether it's you know putting something down on canvas or creating a story or like saying those lines I'm already like oh secret smile that's like giving me a whole idea for a show Like, oh, it's, it's great. Um, because it is spooky season, 
Um, I'd love to know your favourite horror Halloween movies. What are your go-tos at this time of year? I think... So, I, oh, my brain, we were, you know, I was talking about horror films recently and trying to pin down a top 10, and I couldn't really think of, like, what would be the absolute. But my highlights, I would say, like, so Halloween, there's nothing wrong with enjoying nonsense and joy like the Adams Family. Um, it's beautiful um and I would say oh oh, you know all those kind of um very kind of sumptuous kind of Tim Burton kind of movies Beetlejuice for example all the colors um and um and all of the the kind of the creatures those masks are amazing in Beetlejuice um so yeah so definitely say those kind of movies they're really fun for Halloween my favourite kind of horror stuff, going a bit more serious, I absolutely adore the the film, the Swedish film of Let the Right One In. Um, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's beautifully shot and um, and it's really creeping horror rather than in-your-face mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you want in-your-face kind of stuff, and this does does go into sci-fi, Event Horizon is one of my favourite, I would say, one of the best jump scares. Um, It's got fantasy in there. It's got sci-fi. It's got Sam Neill being creepy. (laughs) He's brilliant at being creepy. He is a brilliant actor, Sam Neill. I do love him. Yeah. You better not be a dick, Sam. I'll be absolutely fucking gutted if you are. Can't take it. I don't think he's remotely listening, so it'll be fine. Oh, yeah, sorry, Sam. Good old, good old pal. <laughs> pal of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Event Horizon. Anything else that you want to chuck in there? Uh, any more films? Um, oh, no, I do have a really scary one, but this divides people. People get quite animated about this one. Um, Hereditary, um, I'm quite sort of, um, I, unless it's gory, gore, gore, now I've got older, really grosses me out and I struggle with it. Um, but I've got a little bit desensitized to to real horror I mean I'll still jump at a jump scare I'm I'm human (laughs) but uh, the rest of it I'll either laugh or I'll you know it's it's not that scary but hereditary when hereditary ended I had to put on all the lights and make noise put on a a song have a little dance (laughs) like totally kind of come back to to being myself again like that one really creeped me out it is kind of a spooky season have you ever had any kind of like spiritual ghosty moments I would love to say that I have and I'm trying to think I I'm like what do I sort of think and but I I'm a real believer of um kind of like synchronicity and things happening kind of a bit spookily for a reason um and that that kind of stuff. I think we are, without it being too, um, too kind of out there. I think as 
we need to remember as human beings, we're all, you know, we are bundles of energy and um and and electrodes and whatever else scientific's going on in there, which means that we there's we are we are and can be alert to other things around us. Um in terms of actual spooky spooky, I don't know, I'd have to have a think. I really would. <laughs> I mean if you, if you do Send me a little voice note and I'll pop it in at the end. I will. Yeah, totally yeah. do. Totally do. Um, now, you've got an exhibition at 13th Note. Yes, I do. My Halloween extravaganza. Love it. <laughs> so that's what I called it. And um, uh, and actually, it was originally going to finish um, at Halloween, um, but it's been extended. Woo! Um, so that's really nice it's going to be on at the 13th note until the 28th of November oh amazing so we've got a full almost a full extra month of it yeah a full extra month and um I think though on the (laughs) I might have to rename it um on the 1st November I might have to pop in and take down I've got all cobwebs up (laughs) and stuff so I'll take them all down and maybe swap in Swap in something, some things that are less spooky. Yeah. I don't know what they could be though, because all of my stuff is pretty much I mean, spooky. I think, really, to be honest, at this time of year, like you know, we're we're into that kind of darkness and shadows, and you know, yeah, tales of the it. crypt and all that. Kind <laughs> of stuff. Brilliant. So that's on right now and on until the twenty eighth of November. Yep, right now until the 28th. And you can go in whenever. Quite often it looks, it's at that back bit, the cafe bit of the 13th yep. note. And you can ask to go in or just wander in. Um, it, they don't always have those tables open for serving. But yeah, you can just yeah. go in, have a look. <laughs> Everybody go in. Uh, now, Phil, before we finish up, we like to ask everyone a question. Um, and the question, I don't know if you listen to the podcast and you know what the question is that's coming. I've now forgotten what it is, but you don't worry. Um, So uh, the reason that we're called persistent and nasty is because of two kind of political moments and also the kind of nasty and the fact that we like to reclaim uh, words. So the persistent is about Elizabeth Warren, nevertheless she persisted. Nasty when the previous president of the United States called Hillary Clinton a nasty woman for daring to give him some facts in a debate um, and then there was a whole Twitter hashtag nasty women um, from like CEOs and surgeons and just these really incredible women of power because they were like, well, if she's a nasty woman for giving you a fact, then so are we. Um, and also the fact that those kind of words get used against us all the time. So like bossy, bitch, coven, witch, you know, all of those words. So it, just reclaim it. So Philippa Tomlin. What does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? (laughs) I think it is about being tenacious. It's about being bold and brave. Um, And it's not, it's about not giving in to the little voice in your head of doubt. (laughs) I love that. Yes, don't give in to that stupid fucking voice. (laughs) Stupid voice. Where does it come from? Uh, Yeah, where does it come from? The patriarchy is where it comes from. It is where it comes from. It It definitely is. is. Um, Now, people can follow you. I'll make sure and put it all in um, the show notes today, but um, you're on Instagram, um, philippa.tomlin. Yes. Um, And TikTok, 
Am I making that up? I'm not on TikTok. Um, I'm not on TikTok. You need to start TikTok. Because, because little voice in my head t- told me I'm too old for TikTok. Oh, fuck and, that. <laughs> and so I feel a bit scared about it. And and also I'm like, do I have time to make videos? No. Yes, I mean, but then <laughs> just like put some of your art together and put a little bit of music over it. Yes, totally. I should get, I, I should have a look at TikTok. Yeah, you, t- you totally should. No, you're not too fucking too old for it at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, definitely not. And uh, Twitter? I am on Twitter. I can't remember what I am. I think I'm Phil Tomlin Art. Brilliant. We'll, we'll figure it all out and I'll make sure and put it all in uh, the show notes. And for everybody else, if you are in Glasgow, head down to the 13th Note, also just a great pub. And Louise used to work there, so you know. Um... <laughs> get yourself to the 13th note from any time now in October till the 28th of November to see um, Phil's amazing work and I just have to say one more that I absolutely loved is your grandfather clock like oh my god like oh thank you yeah I enjoyed that one too like love it so much like oh anyway I'll not but everybody go on the Instagram and have a look (laughs) your stuff is beautiful and just really so interesting there's so much detail in it Phil and just really creates as you say it tells a story and there's no right or wrong it's just what yeah. you see and I think definitely that's um Phil thank you so much for joining me today thank you it's been brilliant fun it's been great um it's been such a lovely time chatting and until next time lovely listeners stay nasty, nasty. <laughs> I don't think I answered your spooky question well enough, so um, I thought I'd give it another shot. I would love to say that I have experienced uh, spooky occurrences. Um, When I worked at the Lyceum, I would often be in charge of doing tours and I would tell the odd ghost story. But I would also go onto the stage. Um, I would take the iron out um, from time to time if I had a tour coming. And I would be on my own in the theatre and I would stand in the middle of the stage and I would stare out into the um, auditorium just willing there to be (laughs) a ghostly presence. And it's weird. It's creepy. It's a funny place. it, It does appeal to what I believe in which is that there's energy residual energy all those hundreds of thousands of people who have sat in that theater watching people perform tell stories uh, all the lives that have passed through it plus it's a funny shape theater buildings aren't flat they aren't normal um they feel different and i, I think that that's that sort of adds to the magic slightly <laughs>